1: What's up,
2: Road of Biz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Road of Biz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Road of Biz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Road of Biz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself ten percent off a Road of Biz NFL Pass right now at Rotoviz.com forward slash podcast, or by simply adding the code rvradio twenty twenty one at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Road of website—the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business as always we do appreciate you listening to each and every show and if you do have 5 10 15 seconds to spare please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app it is much appreciated with all that said thank you once again for tuning in i hope you have a great day now let's get back to the show
3: we're talking even more free agency moves on roto viz radio what's up
0: roto
1: viz
3: Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz. We have a great show for you today. We are going to be talking about Will Fuller, Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, Jared Cook, and more. Uh we have the Dynasty Commander, Curtis Patrick here. What's going on, Curtis?
2: Oh man. You're, it sounds like you're reporting for duty uh, for our third episode of the week, and I, I'm ready to drive us through, man. Um, we've got some interesting players to cut up here. Uh, going to take a little tour around the Rotoviz toolbox to get some uh, some juicy nuggets on each of these players, and I, th- I personally think that the listeners are going to be very pleased listening to our dulcet tones all night.
3: <laughs> well, you definitely have the, uh, the radio voice. I am not sure that I've ever received, uh, you know, anyone saying that I have, you know, the dulcet tones. But we will press on. Uh, will Fuller inks a one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins. I forgot to hit the sound drop, but nonetheless, we will press on. What do you think of this move for Fuller's dynasty value?
2: No, just go ahead and hit it right now, man. We, we're we're getting our reps in. People can listen to us get our reps in. That's fine. I'm not going to start the segment unless you hit the price check drop.
3: All right, that should uh, that should get us going.
2: There we go. That's the price check drop. Okay, Will Fuller. To Miami. This is not the place I wanted to see him land. I'm a little biased here because I'm kind of of the opinion that I think Tua Tagovailoa might not be like NFL good. I think he might end up having just been a really great college quarterback and, you know, a great situation. A little worried about what I saw last year. Uh, you know, the jury could still be out. You know, maybe he had Baker Mayfield's year two and his year one. That's possible. Um, so, you know, we'll hold out a little hope. Will Fuller has proven, you know, to pretty much make all quarterbacks look good. So, so that is a, a, you know, a positive sign here. Will Fuller, uh, outside the numbers only really maybe one of the more effective, uh, weapons in the entire NFL over the last couple of seasons. So, uh, for, over 14 AYA deep left and deep right, uh, targets greater than, than 15 yards down the field. This is an area. Uh, where Tua Tagovailoa um, was was also good, I guess, relative to his down the middle targets, uh, but he averaged only nine AYA outside uh, the numbers on those fifteen plus uh, yard downfield targets last year. So Will Fuller should improve the situation for Tua. Uh, should also, you know, back up the opposing defense, make it easier to work with Mike Gesicki and other weapons. Uh, so you know, I, I think this is obviously good for any offense to to add a player of Will Fuller's. Uh, Will Fuller's caliber uh, to your offense. The one-year deal might be a motivator. Uh, you know, maybe there wasn't a big market out there for him coming off of the suspension for, you know, the PD policy last year. So maybe not the worst thing to have a hungry Will Fuller player who has missed a little time here and there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I don't know really what to think about it. He's Roto-Viz team, uh, Dynasty team's wide receiver 38, And I I guess that kind of feels right. He doesn't feel like a player that can recruit more value on on a one-year deal. And that's just going to push him, you know, a little further down the age uh, ranks as time marches on. Uh, He kind of just remains the same as he always ever was, which is, you know, a really intriguing best ball target and a value in redraft formats when you can get him uh, below his ADP.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've always been a big fan of Will Fuller's. This goes back to, When he entered the league, I think that he does have the impact, like you alluded to, similar in in a fashion to how Deshaun Jackson makes his quarterbacks better. I think that Will Fuller certainly can do that. Um, Is Tua more Tim Tebow um, than we'd like to think? in the context of a player that is just on a tremendous college team that has certain skills that translate very well in college football, but perhaps doesn't have the nuance needed to be an NFL passer. That is certainly possible. Um, you know, I'd like to place fuller up higher than wide receiver 38, but at this point in his career, it is getting harder and harder to make a case for him as one of the premier wide receivers. Um, Let's talk about, though, a wide receiver that has had an interesting start to his career, which I think is one of the things you will probably hit upon. But that's Corey Davis Uh, had the strongest year of his year or strongest year of his career last year playing in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill now finds himself as a New York Jet Looks like he could be the main show in town there. But I think that it's easy to forget about Jamison Crowder, uh, who I believe retains a high target share, as we talked about last episode. They also added Keelan Cole. They have the rookie there on Mims. There's other bodies there that they can utilize. What do you think about Corey Davis heading into 2021? What's his dynasty value look like?
2: He's such He's such a difficult evaluation. I mean we got a very late breakout here. It's basically a Devontae Adams situation. And I was really going back through the road game splits app and, you know, checking out what did Corey Davis look like until Ryan Tannehill showed up. And then, you know, after Ryan Tannehill showed up in Tennessee and, you know, the first couple seasons, it was basically you wanted Corey Davis if he was playing the new England Patriots and otherwise you didn't. Um, but I think I was even maybe misremembering, When he started to flourish, he really did not have the 2020 chemistry with Tannehill uh, in the back half of the the first year. You know when Tannehill uh, took over, you you know over their 26 game sample together, he's still only averaging 10.8 PPR. uh, And you know despite pacing for 95 targets uh, over a full season's work uh, in his time with Tannehill, so you know I think the 2020 breakout, if you will, maybe skews us a little bit. Um, he definitely has the opportunity to take over in New York. They're paying him like they want him to take over. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. Will Darnold get moved on draft day? And will they flip over to somebody like a Justin Fields? Or do they try to make it work with Sam Darnold? Uh, you bring up some interesting pass catchers in Crowder and Cole, who I think maybe will just uh, siphon targets from one another. I think it's really going to be more, is, is Corey Davis actually better than Denzel Mims? Uh, we won't know that until they're on the field together. I actually kind of think they're similar players. It's, uh, it's The Jets seem to be showing their hand in terms of what their type is. Uh, looking back at Corey Davis in 2020 even, you know we, we see that you know, he finished as wide receiver uh, 29 in, in raw PPR scoring. You know If he would have played all 16 games, certainly would have finished higher than that. But he really did his damage in three games. You know, he he had just three games with more than 20 PPR. And, you know, of course, he famously exploded in week 13 against Cleveland for 35 points. Other than those three games over 20, he just had two other wide receiver two performances. Uh, He gave us a pair of zeros against Chicago and Green Bay and uh, another pair of performances under 10. So, you know, I I think it's one of those things where you start looking at the season and arrears, and, you know, maybe you remember a player a little bit more fondly uh, than they, they ought to be remembered. Corey Davis just happened to ball out in the fantasy playoffs week 13, week 15. That kind of endears people uh, to you. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I certainly don't believe in him more uh, for dynasty purposes than I did before. I, I, I think there's a non-zero chance that he was just, you know, he benefited from, you know, the fear that A.J. Brown struck an opposing secondaries and um you know receives you know some more open looks because of that um so yeah he's not really a player i'm targeting in startups or in trades i don't think i own any of them and i feel okay with that
3: yeah i mean i'm right there with you this is a player that we have not seen really re- reach his potential um You know, put together one good season that might get you interested, but now you're sending him to an organization that has not shown us that you should want players that are in it right now. And sure, he's stepping into a role where he could be the main target there, but that does not mean that he's a player that you want just because of that. And as you mentioned, we're not even sure that he really is the best wide receiver on that team. Maybe it is Mims. Um, So there's just not much that you can point to that's telling you that this is a player whose value is even going to hold... Uh, which I think is a pretty big problem. And I think that you need to, with a player like Corey Davis, be thinking about what does their value look like in two years. And I have a tremendously hard time picturing his value having appreciated, and I'm pretty sure that it will definitely have fallen. Probably shouldn't say definitely, but I feel pretty strongly about that. So I think we've talked now about as much as I can stomach talking about the Jets. So let's move on. And I have an important question for you. Is it time to panic on Jonathan Taylor because the Colts are bringing Marlon back now? I know that there's already, you know, there's been a lot of people that are Jonathan Taylor detractors, didn't want to buy into Taylor. Then last year he got off to the slow start, put things together, but they're bringing Marlon back now. What What's the deal here? You know, you also saw that they insisted on using Naheem Hines in situations where it felt like, as a spectator, that Taylor had the hot hand, was getting the team downfield, and they'd bring in Naheem Hines and things would fall apart. So, what does this tell us? Is it time to make panic? Are we looking at a three headed monster in the Indianapolis backfield?
2: I mean, the monster is going to have three heads, but, you know, they're all different sizes. Um, so yeah, Frank Reich has always, he, this is what he does. This is what he does. This is where he's comfortable. He is much more comfortable, uh, mixing guys in keeping his backs fresh. Um, you know, I think he's overthinking a little bit here with Jonathan Taylor. And I know that you and I are both uh, pretty high on him and, you know, the the team in general here thought he was one of the better prospects, you know, of the past five years, uh, the running back position he's coming out last year. And I just think that we need to reset ourselves on what Jonathan Taylor is going to be as long as he's an in Indianapolis. Colt um, Philip Rivers loves to throw the ball to running backs. He's gone. Carson Wentz uh, is not the type of screen quarterback that Philip. I mean, Philip Rivers is, is maybe one of the you know the, the screen happiest quarterbacks of all time. That situation uh, is over with. And Frank Reich, he's saying all the things that you don't want to hear. Yet again, when he was talking about Marlon Mack coming back, he was praising him for working hard to come back from injury and uh, articulated that there would still be, quote-unquote, plenty left for him uh, in this backfield. Uh, He did acknowledge that Jonathan Taylor, you know, earned his right to be the lead back. But, you know, the team was still even working Naheem Hines in there in goal-to-go situations last year. I just think we got to look at this Colts backfield a little bit more like maybe the Browns backfield. I think Jonathan Taylor to Nick Chubb is a much fairer way to, you know, I guess come up with a fantasy production comp than, you know, last year we were hoping he would become more of a, you know, Saquon Barkley type and I just don't think that's going to happen uh in this cold situation. Jonathan Taylor top 5 uh fantasy running back upside going to really need it all to align perfectly and have that kind of Derek Henry-esque season uh, where he leads the league in rushing touchdowns or something, I think, to get all the way there. That's how I'm choosing to view this. Uh, Dave, You know, what do you think about Marlon Mack and uh, you know, how that impacts Jonathan Taylor on your end?
3: I'd really like to make the case that it doesn't impact him. When I first heard the news, <laughs> I was gangbusters to make the case as to why this isn't a problem But in retrospect, when I think back to what I saw last year in the context, like I already talked about, of Naheem Hines coming in on drives where it felt like it should be completely Taylor's, it's hard not to react to this news in a way that says maybe I do need to slow down my enthusiasm for Jonathan Taylor. Um, You know, we weren't expecting him, like you said, to be a Saquon Barkley type, and there's probably thoughts within the organization that they're not going to use him like that. And that's why they do bring a player back like Marlon Mack. And very honestly, I don't think Marlon Mack is nearly as talented as Jonathan Taylor. But if he was the RB1 in this Colts backfield, I might be looking at him as if he were an RB1. The points you made about uh Reich hold. And, um, you know, I just I, I am inclined to agree with you. I still think, though, that You are looking at Jonathan Taylor for redraft purposes as an RB1. The problem is you're no longer looking at him as
0: a... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
3: the player that could contend to be the RB one.
0: Yeah, that's, that's beautifully
2: said. I, th- I think we found like-mindedness on this one. And uh, you know, I, I hope the listeners get there too. I mean, Jonathan Taylor still does, I think have that upside, but I, I really think in this Frank Reich offensive design, it's going to take an injury to one of the backups to really see a season long where, you know, it's a Jonathan Taylor bell cow situation. And, and short of that, he, he's just going to fall short. I don't see Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara type upside for Taylor. I think he just falls short of that uh, if everything plays out, you know, the way the, the backfield depth uh, is shaping up at this point.
3: Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to getroman.com/rotoviz now. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash rotoviz and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash rotoviz now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash rotoviz. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. All right, let's hit some fantasy headlines brought to you by Roto-Biz News. Of course, everything that we've been talking about in these episodes is more or less a headline. Uh, So these are hard to escape right now. But Curtis, let's start with Jared Cook. He is now a charger. Does he come in and replace Hunter Henry, Uh, you know, getting more or less a one for one? replacement of Henry's fantasy production is he better is he worse let's uh let's let's get your thoughts
2: I don't know that he's not better uh I think we've wanted Hunter Henry to to kind of bust out over the years and he just never really gives it to us injuries have a lot to blame with that uh and I think early in his career you know other chargers tight ends also maybe held him down just a little bit but Jared Cook, man, Jared Cook only had 60 targets last year, and he's a mid-tight end, too. He's tight end 17 in that mess that was the the Saints quarterback room in 2020 now goes to a really exciting situation with Justin Herbert and a dynamic Chargers offense that very capable of pushing the ball down the field. I think Jared Cook's a better fit, even at this advanced age, better fit for what the team wants to do, uh, trying to keep up with the Chiefs and, and being able to score you know, basically on any play. Hunter Henry vacates 92 tight end targets and he was the PPR tight end 12 last season. So Jared Cook's probably going to be a value. People don't, you know, I've not really heard anybody be excited about him, but I had plenty of them last year uh, would, would ask for him and throw in deals uh, both in, in dynasty. And then, you know, also target him late in best ball drafts. And I'll be shocked if he's not a value in 2020, really in any format, just because, I'm that high on the Chargers' offense, and I'm that high on Jared Cook's skill set.
3: Wow! So you know, I've actually always really liked Jared Cook because if you go back to when he was coming out of South Carolina uh, as a tight end at nearly 250 pounds, ran a 4.49 40-yard dash that was 98th percentile, had a 99th percentile vert. The guy was just super athletic. We saw him produce in certain spots uh, pretty nicely in New Orleans, I think you make a really good point about the fact that he might be a better fit there than Hunter Henry was playing for Justin Herbert in that offense. And hopefully we see that tick up in targets. So for me, I actually am probably going to be drafting Jared Cook in 2021 as if he were a tight end one I actually honestly might be relatively excited about getting him because I am not sure that the general populace is going to be making the adjustment pushing Kirk up or excuse me cook up into that tight end one discussion and I don't know if they're going to be as excited as I am let's move things along let's talk about Marvin Jones a player that's 31 where does he fit in to this receiving core in Jacksonville Oldest player there playing with two younger players that I think are pretty competent uh, likely will be playing for a quarterback stepping in. That could be tremendous. Hopefully urban Myers able to make Trevor Lawrence as good as everybody thinks he could be. What do you think about Marvin Jones in this offense?
2: I think he's probably brought in to set the tone. You know, it's a, it's a locker room signing. He was well liked in Detroit Um, really endeared himself to the community Uh, had some, you know, some tragic things happen, um, you know, within his family uh, to where, you know, I think he really became a locker room glue guy, Uh, very big uh, charitable uh, personality there in Detroit. And so I think bringing someone in that can set that type of example for a team that's going to be very young, they have a lot of draft picks in addition to the young talent already on the team um, and getting some of that leadership, you know, will be helpful. Um, I'm not very high on him being able to reproduce what he did in Detroit where he, it seems like he was just always a sneaky wide receiver too, uh, ever since he arrived uh, up there in the Motor City. There, there's one way that I could see him, you know, kind of reprising that type of effectiveness again, and that would be if Urban Meyer decides that, you know what, Laviska Chenault is not going to be like our slot receiver or really even be a receiver at all. I'm going to use him as an offensive weapon, kind of like Curtis Samuel, a uh, player that was uh, one of Urban Meyer's uh, designs there in in Ohio at Ohio State you know and in, in Curtis Samuels final year 2016 at Ohio State 97 rushing attempts and 74 receptions they kind of used him they gave him equal you know one-to-one touches we'd be drooling if Levicus all got that type of carry share uh for Jacksonville along with those types of receptions but perhaps a similar role could make sense in what I think will be a true spread offense uh, with short passes I, I think Marvin Jones is probably going to be running a lot of nine routes, um, and, and will be in very good shape, but not sure he's going to give us the fantasy production that we're so accustomed to.
3: Got it. I think that's, that's a very fair take of it. Um, I, I wouldn't imagine that anybody listening out there got super excited about this move. Um, but I, I almost feel like it's more interesting in the context of of DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault. Of course, as you mentioned, a lot of this is going to depend on how Urban Meyer decides to actually deploy these players. Uh, But nonetheless, I think that there's going to be one of the more um, intriguing teams to watch as we move into 2021. All right, Curtis. Um, Javante Williams, I want to know, does he deserve to be in the same tier as Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. I personally love Harris. I believe that you do too given some of the things that I've seen you say about him given um what the team thinks about Harris in the Dynasty Command Center rookie guide. I'll give the quick uh scouting report if you will on Williams. Very strong in breaking tackles. Doesn't have as much size as a player like Harris, but runs like a type of guy that is going through tackles getting himself downfield really great in pass protection could be a three down player that nor self patient type of runner. Um, You know, not the greatest catcher in the class, but I think definitely can also be involved on passing plays. Now, if I am just looking at the numbers that he put up his college production, there are a couple of important thresholds that I would have that, that I look at that put players into this cohort where they have very high odds of being a RB1 type of player in the NFL. He does not hit those thresholds. Of course, he did play in college at UNC with Michael Carter, another player going um, to or being looked at by some scouts as one of the better backs in this class. I'm not really there on him, but it's understandable why his production might've suffered. So my question for you is does Williams belong in the tier with ETN and Harris, or is there a very definitive break between those two backs and Williams?
2: Yeah, I talked about this in our Rotoviz of uh, fantasy football rookie draft guide. I-, I think that the community wants to push Javante Williams up the board into that same tier because of the relative lack of, quality of depth at running back in rookie drafts this year. So they're desperate. Who is that guy that we can push up there? And, you know, I know he rates very highly because of his uh, ability to break tackles and um, create in space. And yeah, I think he had one of the the better um, missed uh, tackles, forced scores or grades uh, by uh, PFF uh, in recent history, maybe one of the better scores ever in that category. That's also something we saw from, you know, David Montgomery and, you know, we can debate another time about whether that's translated to the, to the NFL. I do not have Javante Williams in that same tier. I think there's there's a break and there's pressure to put him up there. I'm not going to come to it. You know, you mentioned that Michael Carter being a quality player, you know, maybe is a reason why Javante Williams didn't, you know, emerge as a true bell cow. But you can't tell me at two of the premier college football factories uh in in you know in, in college football in Clemson and Alabama, that their depth at that position was not better uh than what UNC had. I, I know for a fact that that both stables are chock full of four and far uh four and five star guys who had started plenty of colleges, but instead opted to go to, you know, those blue chip uh pedigree schools and and back up, you know, Etienne and Harris, who had no problem holding off their competition. So uh, you know, and it's not like Etienne and Harris weren't elite in their own rights. I mean, I I really liked what you did with your breakaway rush score article in the guide. And, you know, Travis Etienne scores very highly there. He comes in as pro day, measures in at, you know, over 215 pounds, you know, shows that he has the size that we would want. And Najee Harris, just from a a backfield dominator rating perspective, um, one of our uh, newest analysts, Matt Spencer, uh, giving us some recent uh, takes on, you know, what uh, backfield... Dominator uh, would look like actually Blair did that piece. And Matt did a a freak score piece. Also very important for uh, Najee Harris's outlook. So very much. So those are the top two. Like you, Harris is my number one, just by a hair over ETN. And then Javante Williams actually would not come into the picture for me until the end of tier two after my top wide receivers and Kyle Pitts. if it's a tight end premium format. So uh, I think, I think the two of us, I think this, this show uh, we're taking a position here Um, that Williams is not a player we'll reach on in rookie drafts.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, for me, I think the biggest thing that uh, stood out to me and what you were talking about is I think that the reflection of Williams being a player people want to push up into that stratosphere just goes back to the fact that this class is not as good as some that we have seen and lots of times it is fun to kind of go against the chuck go against the consensus but to me there's a reason why ETN and Harris are viewed as the definitive tier one and it is because there's so much separation between them and the other players and also I am not as impressed with Michael Carter for a number of reasons as some other people might be so I would have liked to have seen Williams beat him out and there was lots of times where it looked like unc actually preferred carter which doesn't make or break a player in all cases but in this particular context it just uh, i can't get williams into that top tier however though curtis that closes things up for the week uh the first week of us doing this podcast together we will have the schedule out to you listeners next week We're also going to be doing a couple of uh, contests where you can win some RV merch. Uh, You know, we're going to keep working on this show, working on the formatting, things along those lines. But Curse, how do you think week one went now that it is in the books?
2: I think there's no question that it went as, as good as it possibly could have gone. I think that the podcasting community, not just in fantasy football, but I mean, I think Joe Rogan is he's probably looking over his shoulder right now um that's that's how i honestly feel and if he's not he should be joe we're coming for you buddy we're coming for you we're gonna get that next big deal
3: uh yeah so sleep with one eye open bud i like it i like it Thanks for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Cabin and at C Patrick NFL. Email us at ff show at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener-only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.